0: Shalom and welcome again to another edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I am your host, Rabbi Richard Edwards, and we thank you for joining us today. As you know, uh, these podcasts are designed to talk about some of the issues that impact us and our revolution and longevity and some of the spiritual aspects of our own aging within the American Jewish community in these very, very interesting times in which we're living. And we're right in the middle of a series of these podcasts that are focusing on the month of Elul, when we are traditionally asked to turn our souls to prepare for the high holidays and the upcoming high holiday season. And so it is with a great deal of pleasure that we welcome um to full disclosure a friend of mine, a good friend of mine and 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 a gentle and beautiful soul, Dr. Dan Gottlieb. Uh Dr. Dan Gottlieb is a psychologist, an author, radio host teacher raconteur and a really good phillies fan um so uh dan is a great pleasure to welcome you to today's podcast and i thank you for your time
1: um it's really a pleasure it's a
0: pleasure to be here especially be here with you thank you um so the month of ll talks about turning our souls Preparing to greet a new year, and what what do you want out of this new year, Danny? What are you bringing to it? What do you want this new year to bring to you? You
1: know, I, I jokingly said at my seventy seventh birthday recently, I said, "This is my NYD birthday, not yet dead." So. I celebrate that. I celebrate the fact that I am still here and functioning, and I feel deep, deep gratitude. That's what I bring into the year. What I want of the year, I want tomorrow, Richard. That's what I want. I want tomorrow. And what do I bring? Years ago, you know, my accident was over 40 years ago. And and in the years right after that, I was deeply, deeply depressed. Of course, felt worthless and useless. And I had a dream one night that God came to me. And a God that I don't believe in came to me. And he said, here, Dan, I'm giving you a piece of the universe. And your job is to care for it, not to make it bigger or better. Just care for it. And I looked down, and what he gave me was three millimeters by three millimeters. Of course, my ego said, hey, I can do more than that when i thought about it it really is an awesome responsibility to care for to nurture three millimeters of the universe i've been doing that my whole life and that's what i bring to the new year that's what i bring last last year um one more day, so that I can continue to nurture.
0: You use the word nurture, um, and uh, and about a month ago, we were sitting actually in, in your dining room, talking, solving many of the great problems of the world. But um, you turned. We were talking about you know some of this stuff having to do with holidays and and where we are in our own personal lives, and you mentioned a phrase that um, the survival of the fittest is not the correct term, but, the f- sur- but but rather the survival of the most nurtured. That Darwin should have said, it's about the survival of the most nurtured. And I remember I said, I'm going to ask you about this when we do the podcast. So here it is. Talk to me about what you mean by that.
1: Well, you know, I can talk like a a strict psychologist and say that babies need to feel felt, feel as though their parents really get them. I could say they need a safe environment, they need to experience love and nurture. And if that happens, something happens. Inside of them, a kind of understanding of themselves, of the world, as, as they grow. If you can experience a sense of well-being when you're a child, you can carry that with you you can share it with others yeah survival of the nurtured and it is never too late to get that nurture never too late to give that nurture
0: how do I, we do that now danny how do we how do how do we in this society where everything's siloed and there's so much anxiety and everybody knows the game right now how do how do we how do we get nurtured
1: well it's how do we nurture is how we get nurtured so uh you know the the phrase for for this month is i am my beloved's and my beloved is mine and that talks about Love, awareness of love, offering love. And what I say often if you want a sense of well being, of accomplishment, love who you love, and tomorrow love them better. Know how their eyes look when they're stressed or happy. Notice how they hold their shoulders when when they're tense. Notice their expression when they're frightened. Love them that much. And then tomorrow, love someone else that much. And the more people you love, the more you will be nurtured nurturing doesn't matter which way it goes if you're giving if you're taking doesn't matter your body reacts the same way to both
0: is there a corollary about nurturing one's own self
1: yeah um we have to have self-compassion um nurturing oneself caring about oneself feeling Gratitude just for being here. You know, what are the odds that 78 years ago that sperm would fertilize that egg? And I've got a life, and most of my life I've been healthy, and I was with two parents loved me. It's you know, it's all a crapshoot, Richie. It's all and and how lucky I am to have this life, to be able to look out my window and see foliage and love it and feel grateful for it.
0: One of the books that you wrote, uh this, this book called The Wisdom Uh We're Born With. Um, sterling books. You write, we go, we let go through tears and sadness and fear and grief. But for most of us, tears don't happen until we let down, exhale and open up to the truth of our lives. And when I, in, in reviewing this for today and I read that, I I wanted to explore this, this, this tension that comes up in a lot of our conversations in Jewish sacred aging. And that is holding on and letting go. And that as we approach a new year, uh, and perhaps do a little life review and try and understand how we nurture ourselves and nurture others. How important is it as we get older? To understand what we have to hold on to but also for our own health mental and physical what we need to let go of just yesterday
1: I had a session with a mother who's roughly our age and her daughter who was near 50 and this daughter was so enraged at her mother and her family feeling invisible feeling unnurtured enraged and the mother would listen this has been going on for years the mother would listen and cry of course she did her best but here's this angry daughter and i said to the daughter You want peace. Peace doesn't come when you win a battle. Peace comes when you stop fighting. I said to her, "Stop fighting. You have lost. No need to fight any. You've lost this war. Put down your weapons." And she wept, and so did. Her mother. But you know what? I I tell many of my patients, stop fighting against the truth of your life. Because stress is when you're trying to be a better you, a bigger you, a brighter you. Well, being is when you are who you are, and you're at peace with that. And you better be, because you're going to spend the rest of your life with that guy you see in the mirror, like it or not.
0: Are people afraid, Danny, to, to do that? Is there an element of fear? Yeah.
1: Acknowledging that you've lost the fight? Oh my god, sure. You know it felt like it points to these fights these it's a better battle for survival, certainly of, of the soul, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like it's not, but that's what it feels like, and to give up that battle, you know the risks are so high, and to find peace. To let go takes courage to release your grasp. I mean, my God, we just passed spring. The flowers opened up. That's where you see their beauty, when they open. And we're coming up to the fall. The foliage is so beautiful. And the way we see the colors is over the season, the um, chlorophyll dissipates. And underneath that covering is all that beauty. Let go. Let go. There's a poem in my office, called um, Daydreams. And it's, come to the edge, he said. No, we're scared. Come to the edge, he said. No, we might fall. Come to the edge, he said. And we came, and he pushed, and we flew. Come to the edge.
0: It's very reminiscent of Genesis 12 and Lech Lecha and having the fear to let go and to move into a future that you do not know, which is, you know, I think one of the great messages of that, of, of that Torah portion, Genesis chapter 12, the the idea of loss, Danny, we, we've, we've, we've talked about this a lot. How, how people usually, well, that's, is generalization. Sometimes I, you, one may assume that we talk about loss that it's a negative, but loss can be positive, can it not? I mean, in, in the course of the seasons of our life where we all deal with losses. I mean, as we get older, okay, each of us, if we're get, if we're granted life, each of us are going to have to deal with some losses, some just sometimes natural losses. How do we in this new year begin to say, okay, But this is not the end of the world. It's a natural part of living. How can loss become a positive?
1: There's a Sufi saying that when the heart weeps for what it's lost, the soul rejoices for what it's found. Hmm. Loss is painful. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. Don't turn your back on that. Feel it. And feel it deeply. Say goodbye. Can sit shiver for your past, for your dreams. Sit shiver. Feel the loss. Cry. Ache. And then see what happens.
0: There's a, there's a, uh, piece of this other book, uh, this beautiful book that you wrote called, uh, Letters to Sam, um, when your grandson was a little younger than he is now. He just graduated college and is working. Um, there's a beautiful book and you talk a little bit about happiness and the myth, the myth of happiness. I mean, America, we're, we're in a cult, American culture. We have to be happy. Um, you know, happiness is the be all end all. And there's a lot of now talk about the juxtaposition of happiness versus joy. But you write, quote, real happiness in your letter to your grandson, real happiness is the product of a life well lived, unquote. Could you just expand on that a little bit? The research shows
1: that those who pursue, those who pursue happiness tend to be less happy than those who don't why why are we pushing towards happiness i'm going to say something radical here but that's self-centered you know i had somebody say to me they just wanted to be happy and I said, why? Well, what is that? What does it do for you? I gave a lecture years ago entitled, Who Needs Happiness? Obviously, that lecture came from a Jew. <laughs> Who needs it? Um, yeah. What you need is a sense that you're making a contribution to the world, a sense that your life is worthwhile. Think about what you want people to say about you at your funeral. You want them to say you loved, you were generous, you cared about people and things in this world. That's what you want to say. So live your life accordingly, and you'll be more comfortable. Your happiness, you'll be happy, and you'll be sad, and you'll be happy. You know, it's what happens with emotions. I had a man call me, and he said, "Um, I feel like I'm in hell. What should I do? And I said, get to the bus stop and sit down. So he said, what? I said, you sit and you wait for the bus and you never know when it's coming, but you know it's coming. And when that bus comes, it's going to take you out of hell and it might drop you off in heaven and enjoy it because a bus is coming there too. That's life. That's emotions. That's nothing lasts nothing lasts
0: especially our hair well this is true uh, <laughs> the holiday the major prayer of the high holidays in my opinion is that is that tokef prayer it's a great prayer you know it's the who shall live who shall die etc etc that's beautiful metaphor beautiful language uh when you're younger it's frightening if you take it literally but you know, as you get older you understand it's it's poetry. Um talk to me about especially this I think dawns and gradually it becomes aware as we get a little older, the myth of control that we actually control our lives instead of waiting for that bus and being open to the bus.
1: I guess it's a uh, delusion. That perhaps we can't live without. Um, You know, the Buddhists are able to do it, to live in the fact that you don't know what's happening around the corner. Um, And, you know, meditators and others are prepared. Um, And I think when we're afraid to take risks, um, to open up, uh, we need to attend to our own anxiety. You know, we don't need to honor it and put in the driver's seat live your life do what's scary care for others Um, who shall live and who shall die i don't know but people who live have a history of suffering have a history of insecurity all of us care for them they
0: are us. It's also the metaphor of the death of the soul. I think sometimes that we, you know, again, once you get off the literalness, but we don't know how many people sitting in that synagogue, uh, during the high holidays, their souls have died somewhere along the way. They forgot to take the risks. They've forgotten to nurture themselves. They've forgotten to do, to, to be open to that flower or the, or the beauty. You know, in the daily service and in the, in Shabbat morning and the, the, you have this, these lovely prayers, Nisim Yom, which talks about the miracles of just being here, the miracles of being alive. It's what you talked about at the beginning, this concept of gratitude. Um, and living each day, living the moment as, uh, one of the Torah portions on the high holidays, Nitzavim talks about Hayom, uh, the day. Towards the end of this, this book, Letters to Sam, to, to, to your grandson, you write the following. It's a really beautiful essay. Uh, One day you will die, and the more you enjoy your life, the less you will want this to happen. But death is not your enemy. Knowing that your life has an end point will help you appreciate every moment you're alive. Death helps you understand life's precious gift, unquote. And then you also write in that chapter, quote, I have long believed that death is not the problem, not living is the problem, unquote. It seems to me a magnificent high holiday sermon. The death is, can you imagine a Yisker sermon saying, it's not the death is the problem, not living is the problem. Talk to me about that and where you are in your experience.
1: When I took my uh, first meditation class some 25 years ago, there was a woman in there that had stage, I think, three breast cancer. She knew she wasn't going to live long. And I said to her during a break, why are you taking this class? Why now? And she said to me, all my life, wherever I was, I was somewhere else. Mm. And in the days I have left, I want to be where I am.
0: That's mindfulness. That's
1: being awake. I want to be where I am.
0: In a few weeks... um the shofar will sound in, 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 every synagogue. And one of the midrash about the shofar sound is exactly what you're saying. Oh, wake up. Wake up. Listen. Hear. Wake up. Um, I think that message that you write about, that you talk about, and to, for people who don't know Dan, who it's, it's really his life. Uh, your life, Danny. It's a good way to, to just end this. Wake up. Listen to the shofar, not as routine, but listen to the call to really wake up and live your life and, be, and nurture yourself and nurture the people that you love. And don't be afraid to let go and don't be afraid to risk. Um, all of which, thank you very much, Dr. Gottlieb. Um, it's always a pleasure. Dr. Dan Gottlieb, um, thank you very, very much. And I, I just wish you continue just just good health, joy, and peace. And I uh, will see you soon, I hope.
1: I love spending time with you.
0: Thank my you pleasure. Listen, uh, my honor. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. To all of you, thank you very much for joining us on today's edition of the Seeker, of Seekers of Meeting the podcast and tv arm of jewish sacred aging if you'd like to drop us a note with some suggestions or comments email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com and if you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support our work in these podcasts go to the website jewishsacredaging.com click on the conveniently located donate button and just follow the prompts we are very very grateful for them um Seekers of Meaning is produced at the broadcast center of Lubeckin Lubeckin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And again, a wonderful shout out to our producer, Steve Lubeckin. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. And until we see each other again on the next Seekers of Meaning, I wish you much joy, much good nurturing for yourself. Stay healthy, stay well, and be kind to one another. Shalom and todah.